Uh, Pastor Chris is actually from Auburn. He was born and raised. He went to Auburn High. Um, he actually graduated from Auburn. Yeah. And uh, 3.4 GPA. And he, and he also went to Washington State University. So 2.8. 2.8. 2.8. At Washington State. 2.67. Come on. You, your school was better. So the, so clearly the preaching is going to be much higher caliber than that. Much higher. And so uh, Chris, um, when he was at Washington State University, he got radically saved um, and met Jesus in a powerful way. And God got a hold of him. And so he felt uh, just called to follow God with every part of his life. And the Lord led him down to San Diego, where he was a part of church there for many years as a worship leader. Um, the name of the church, Red Door, is yeah. that right? Red Door Church down in San Diego. Um, and so Red Door has a small group of a handful of churches. And um, Chris and his wife felt led to come back to Auburn. Um, they felt led to send. And so they had like four or five families that uproot. Uh, from San Diego, came up here, bought houses to plant Stone Church three years ago. Three years ago in March. Three years ago in March, they planted Stone Church. Um, bless God, they're they're right on the edge of about a hundred people. They're killing it. It's awesome. Um, and and more more importantly, is that Chris preaches the gospel. Like he he's in the truth. Like it's so great. And and when he came to town and him and I met, it was very clear that. Uh, the sarcasm is strong in this one. Yeah. Uh, and so it's one of the reasons why him and I really become good friends because uh, we really enjoy each other's company. But it's, it's really fun to be friends with a younger man who is church planting, um, to be able to walk with each other. Because what's interesting, even though he's younger than me in age in the ministry, he still speaks into my life. And encourages me and challenges me. It's like, hey, you may want to think about that. And he's, he always says things to me like, hey, I know I haven't been doing this as long as you, but have you ever thought about it? I was like, dude, you don't have to say that, man. Just tell me what I need to be doing differently and I'm going to do it. It'll be totally fine. So uh, we just wanted to have him out tonight because I love him. I love Auburn. I love his church. And I thought you guys would be blessed by his ministry. Remember, if he's really good, forget his name. Don't ever go to his church. <laughs> Uh, but if, if he's better than me, just like, what was that guy's name? You forget it. But, you know, if he's no good, just amen, really, and clap a lot. Amen? Amen. Pastor Chris. You told me you were 32. Thanks for having me out. Matt calls Stone Church because I get so much advice from him. He says it's Faith and Victory North Campus. <laughs> Yet it took three years to get your North Campus pastor here to the main <laughs> campus. Super helpful. Matt, Matt is super helpful to me. The, the week I got in town, we got in town in December 2000 and gosh, I don't, 17. Would that have been the math? You're better at math than me. You know that. <laughs> it was three years ago in December, and Matt, like a week later, he just calls me. How does this guy even get my number? I guess it's online or something. He says, listen, I'm Matt Kuchunas. Does he talk like that? Was that close? Yeah. I'm Matt Kuchunas. Yeah. Listen, man, I think we're going to get along, you and me. Okay, listen. <laughs> I've heard about you. Listen. And we have. We've been buddies. He's helped a lot. I called him one time. We have a building now. We're in the Taco Bell parking lot in North Auburn off 15th. 
I said, Matt, do we want this building? I was so negative. I was so drab. And he's like, listen, dude, you don't have to have the building. You got, you're free to not, to walk away from it. It was an opportunity in front of us. I said, all right, thanks, man. I call him a week later. No, 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 Matt, we're gonna do the building. Here's why it's good. And he hears me talk for another 20 minutes. He's like, all right, that could be good too. So he's just been a sounding board for me. Super helpful. You've come out with Jay to one of our prayer events at Stone Church. And he just prayed over our church, been super encouraging. I've told our church about you guys. Really a lot of the Auburn pastors get together and we've been friends in the city since I've landed. And I know it's been going on before me for decades. Because the gospel's been good news for 2,000 years, and we're just stewards here in this city, hoping for God to continue to work and save more people. Two weeks ago, I asked myself, who's in control of my life? I I, I was pleased. The answer was was the Lord. I was like, good, I'm a pastor. That's the answer. I kind of had this moment with myself. Good answer. Then I asked the second question that I want to ask you though, but what at times can act like it's in control of your life? Tonight we're going to talk about the will of God and God's will for your life. We're in 1 Peter chapter 4 because Stone Church is now in this new series in 1 Peter and this really stuck out to me. When I preached it just recently, because it's about the will of God and we're just beginning 2020, I know you guys are fasting and leaning into what God's will is for you for the year. Matt and I have talked about what you guys are going to do going forth as a church, so I felt like it would be a helpful word. The word of God says in First Peter chapter 4 verse 1, since therefore Christ suffered, and I'm reading in the English standard version, in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, verse 2, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, here it is, but for the will of God. So the title this evening is God's will. Two more words is joy. God has a will for you. God has a desire for you. And it's not just actions. What box do I check, Lord? It's actually being with him, being in relationship with him and receiving his joy. My daughter's middle name, Joy, and she is a joy. Thank you, Joy. And thank you, Matt, for blessing her with a little gift. God's will is joy. The public perception of God in 2020 in the United States is rarely that he has a will and rarely that it is joy. It's actually kind of in vogue right now to write songs about church or Jesus. Actually, in the country realm, there's a few of them, one of them titled by Kane Brown, Heaven. And it's got a misconception of earth and heaven. Marin Morris, if I'm pronouncing that right, writes a, a song called My Church that her rocking out in her car is her church. Florida Georgia Lion wrote the famous song Holy that this girl is actually holy and she can baptize him. Then there's the famous Andrew Hoser song Take Me to Church. It's somewhat in vogue to talk about God, yet the public understanding of God is that he's actually distant or mean or angry or not relevant. Definitely not joy in your life. Well, today, this evening, I want to contend from our text that God is not just real. God is not just good. God has a will for all mankind and specifically for you today. If you're my nine-year-old daughter, if your life you feel like is distant or hard or troubling right now, God has a will for you and his will is joy. The word of God is more important than anything I could ever say. So let me pray before we talk about it more. Jesus, thank you for this church. Thank you that you brought them to this building. They were off in a different part of Auburn and before then Kent and, and the churches have journeys, God. But ultimately, I'm thankful that you're moving in this church. That I got to worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. That it felt like home, that it felt like family because you're working. So would you, God, you wrote this word, First Peter. 
this book that talks about you being in control, you being powerful, humble ourselves under the almighty hand of God. Just two verses, God, we're chewing on today, but your word is so meaty, God. It's so healthy. It's so packed full of nutrition for us. Would you speak to us through these two words, these two verses in Jesus name? Could you guys say? Amen. Amen. You know, I have a will for my kids. I have other kids than just Sienna Joyce. She's my only daughter. I have three brothers, three. She has three brothers. I have three boys. And the fourth kid, he's Calvin. He's six months old. We did the ultrasound thing. We put it in a cake. We celebrated. It was a girl. My wife wanted a girl. My daughter wanted a girl. They got it wrong. So our little Emma Grace is Calvin Lee. We have Sienna's three brothers. And my love for them, you can, you can leave this up for the entirety of this. My love for them involves my desire for them, but it involves me being with them, being their dad. It's not an equation. It's not robotic. It's not check this box and then I will love you. My love for them gives them the freedom, the ability to grow and mature. If you've been around kids, I see at Faith and Victory that there's kids. You see this, especially with, I think, no more uniquely than with four-year-olds. God has blessed the world with four-year-olds. So this, this is Graham. He is the four-year-old of all four-year-olds. We went over the mountains last year. Is that right? Was that last year? And he, yeah, it was because we got this new Honda Pilot. It was used. Don't judge me. Okay. But it was nice. (laughs) I see some of you guys. We're driving over the mountains. New car for us. And I do the stupid thing. We're driving over Blewett Pass, 40 miles between gas stations. And I say, babe, we got this. We got enough gas. 20 miles into that sentence, I realized, why am I such a blockhead? I say, nothing right. I never do anything right. She's always right. Babe, I think I'm wrong. I think we're going to run out of gas. If we turned around, though, we wouldn't make it. Let's hope the next gas station is, is, is 15 miles away. We see the sign, 28 miles. Dang it, we're in trouble. I said, how are our phones doing? Both are out of service. Yours has 2%. Mine has 4 No chargers. I said, all right, save those. This could be life or death. Well, then the four-year-old, the four-year-old wakes up from a little slumber nap. And this particular four-year-old, when he wakes up from naps, is a little bit on the grouchy side. He says, mom, give me phone now. He wants to watch, I don't know, Paw Patrol. She says, buddy, we're not in cell service. I can't give you the phone. But actually, more importantly, we're running out of gas. We're up on this mountain. It's really important that I don't give you the phone now. Well, he didn't like this answer. He says, mom, phone now. Just elevated it. So dad gets involved. Listen, son. Did you just hear your mother? If we ran out of gas, we would be eaten by coyotes in five minutes. Okay? This is life or death. He responds, bad mommy, bad daddy, phone now. (laughs) And so my wife says, kids, to to the older kids, will you please start praying for Graham? And so Judson in the back seat, he he was five at the time. Jesus, will you please help Graham? And Graham elevates, do not pray for me. (laughs) Just freaking out. I will tell you, we made it to that gas station. The second story, the kids were in the back car, back seat of our car, of our Honda Pilot, telling a story to each other. And Graham says, I remember that. And they said, no, buddy, actually, you weren't alive yet. And he says, oh, yeah, I was dead. <laughs> like, what? So morbid. Where did you? 
my wife corrected him, buddy, you weren't dead. You weren't yet alive. You weren't created yet. And as she's explaining this to him, she realizes he's lost attention and is gone anyways. He just thought that he was dead. Well, as I parent them, as I desire things for them, my will for them has grace for their maturation. I don't love them with where they are today. And when they do things wrong, I always hold that against them. And God wants humans, his prized creation, to know that his will for them has grace for their maturation, for their growing. His will isn't robotic. It's not an equation. He did something miraculous, First Peter 4, 1 says, to come enter into relationship with us. Jesus Christ came down. It says he suffered in the flesh. So this text introduces to us the word sin. Now, I know Matt Katrina, so I know that you guys battle sin, fight sin, talk about sin, but it can be easy in our life to just say sin, difficult word, I kind of have some of my own, but let's just pretend we all don't. Well, first Peter hits it by saying, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves therefore with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in this flesh has ceased from sin. This is good news. This is an opportunity for us to stop sinning, to stop derailing our life, hurting people, hurting ourselves, and distancing ourselves from God. Well, our text says, when we cease from sin, we'll be able to live no longer for human passions, is the word that the English Standard Version chose to use. For human passions. And we get to arm ourselves, verse 2. Arm yourself with this way of thinking. So that you would not live for human passions, but you would live for the will of God. So this is a juxtaposition for all humans. We can live for our own passions and desires. And some of you are thinking, well, are all of my passions and thoughts and internal desires wrong? Not necessarily, but you cannot trust them to believe that they always will lead you in the right way. But God's will is always perfect, right, true, promising, loving, and guiding. So it's a juxtaposition for all humans. We either walk in our own passions and desires and we become, become distant, more distant from God, or we walk in God's will and we have an intimate connection with the author and creator of ourselves and of the entire world. Isaiah 53, 6 says, everybody like sheep have gone astray. Have you guys ever seen, this is very, very helpful for you right now. Have you ever seen these YouTube videos of tipping goats? Raise your hand if you've seen this. I saw this for the first time on New Year's Eve. It was the best New Year's Eve I've ever had. Supposedly, there's a type of goat you scare them, and before they can run, they seize, and they tip over, and they kind of rock right there. And I'm sure the Lord's like, guys, come on, don't YouTube it and then laugh. But I was like crazy. Then there's goats that will scream like humans. Yes. Changed my life. Hearing these goats... Because I got this, I can't, when I hold the mic, I could go and I could tell you what they sound like. It's a goat and it'll go like this. Ah! (laughs) And like to a person. The relevance to my message is not much, but it says all we like sheep. And I just saw it two weeks ago and it made me laugh. They're similar animals. 2.9, I said, okay, the animal category I learned, everybody is like a sheep has gone astray, Isaiah 53, we've turned everyone to our own way, so all deep down we follow these human passions and desires, and it can be so subtle, one day it could be your phone, you worship it a little bit too much, one day coffee could transition from just one a day to 12, like that, could be 
Something on the television, something on your computer screen, something that stays up in your head. But we have to be aware that we, like sheep, choose things. And then on our own, man, the Apostle Paul brings it home. Romans 7, he says, I don't even know myself. Verse 15, I don't understand my own actions, for I don't do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. There's the caveat. Oh, I have the desire to do what is right. This is the author of half the New Testament, but I don't have the ability to carry it out for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want just keeps on coming up out of me. Well, what hope, Paul, then do I have? It was like recently I was in a workout and this workout, they put it on this whiteboard and and they tell you what to do and you have this amount of time. And toward close to the end of the workout, it really is irrelevant to, it's irrelevant to everybody in the world except for the two buddies that I compete with and I got to finish for that sake. And there's about two minutes left and I see how many movements I have left and I think I got this. Literally, I could do those movements if I wasn't so tired in like 13, 15 seconds. But because of all the heavy weight that was on the front end of the workout, I found myself with my hands on my knees with two minutes left looking at the clock and I said, I got this. And I grabbed whatever it was I had to do. In 30 seconds left, I looked back at the clock, a minute and a half had gone by, I'd done like 10%, and I just looked at it, and looked at it, and the clock finished. I could not pick up another weight or do another thing. Even though I knew what to do, even though I knew it'd be easy to do, I was unable to because of all the weight that I was carrying lifting the thing. That heavy weight made me unable to do what I wanted to do, what I thought I could do, and what I needed to do. You may have the desire to do what is right, But the ability is what we're talking about, especially going into 2020. The ability is what we need. Consistency, a pattern, a rhythm of health. What have you noticed that you have the inability to carry out? Although you would admit, and if you're a guest here this afternoon, this evening, you would say, well, I don't yet know Jesus. He's not, I have not surrendered my life to his control. Well, I'd love for you to lean in and say, Jesus, speak to me. But if you have said, yes, God, you are in control. But where are those other things that do lean in and say, but I have control of this part of your life? Where do you feel that you have the inability, maybe the desire, perhaps it's fighting depression. Perhaps it's fighting loneliness. Perhaps it's fighting an addiction. Maybe you see a future self of yourself, but you're asking, how do I have the ability to get there? I see that that would be health. I see this in my friend or in my family member that, man, they wake up, they spend time with Jesus. That actually has an impact on their life. Man, they don't let alcohol control them in that way. They don't let eating control them in that way. Man, I heard from my friend, they don't just throw up on the TV every single night a different show. You might have a future desire for your life, but how do we have the ability to carry it out sin what our author introduced us to stems from a separation that we have with god author and pastor tim keller says that we have an alienation from god and that alienation from god then hinders the way we're created to exist we're then alienated from each other fellow humans we're actually alienated from ourselves psychologically we're alienated from this world physically and genesis tells us that Maybe you rarely hear God's voice. Maybe you struggle to hear God's voice. Maybe you've heard God's voice in the past, but now as time has gone on, you question, what am I even hearing? How do I hear God's voice? And you go to a workplace or a school or or a social place to hang out and it feels like no one else is listening to the will of God. So am I crazy? Thank goodness I have faith in Faith Victory Church. And that is the gift of the local church to build us up, to be our support 
But hearing God's voice for you specifically and personally is what I'm talking about this afternoon, this evening, I mean. And our text is telling us that in the midst of battling sin, we have something to arm ourselves with. Our text says that we have the ability to deny sin. We can have the ability. I've noticed in my own life, I've revealed it to you guys, I'm 32. I've realized whether it's parenting or it's worshiping the Lord or it's some physical habit that I have or I wake up late and my wife has to keep correcting me or whatever it is, I notice a few things in my life. When I have the inability to deny sin, it produces an emotion in me. The emotion I can feel is despair. And it happens subconsciously. I don't write it in my journal. I don't usually tell a friend. It's helpful to do those things, by the way. But it's because it doesn't get to that part of my brain. It just lives someplace. It lives perhaps inside my heart where I feel, and I feel despair. Man, I failed again. Man, how come I always... I told myself I was going to stop, and then I did it again, but in a different way. But it had been six months, and how... Despair, this emotion can come up. For some of you, maybe it's the emotion of shame. I think these are very similar. Romans 6.20 says, When you were slaves to sin, all humans were at one point slaves to sin. Galatians 5 actually says, Why are you tripping back into becoming slaves to sin again? So don't think you graduate from it. Sin will always tell you to worship it. Well, I just told you Romans 6.20 says, When you were slaves to sin, you were free in regarding to doing what was right. You were free. Sin away. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things that you're now ashamed of? When you look back on sin, what produces is shame. And you want to hide shame. You don't want to tell anyone about it. You want to even forget that it happened, but it's there. Despair and shame. Living on your own. Having control of your life, if you think you can have that, will lead you to be separated from the God of this universe, the God who has a will for your life. And it will lead you, it will leave you with shame and despair. And that will impact the way that you treat others and speak to others. They say hurt people, hurt people. And then you're wondering why other people are hurting you. Well, 1 Peter 4.1 is this amazing good news that you don't battle alone. That you can be armed with something to help you deny sin. And it has to do with this person, Jesus Christ. Matt said that I met Jesus when I was 19, partying in a fraternity at Washington State University. Night after night, getting drunk, getting drunk. Someone invited me to a Bible study. I truly wanted to go to the Bible study, but here was the invitation. Dude, come to this Bible study. It's in a sorority. A hot girl invited me. (laughs) Jesus can just use any message, you know. He didn't come back. That girl that invited him was a bridesmaid in my wedding. One of my wife's best friends. I come. I awkwardly sitting back. I hadn't been to a Bible study for many years. And I'm just like, "Eh, stand up and just, yeah. And kind of sat in the back. My buddy leaves. I'm like, dude. He realized the girl wasn't interested in him. She loved Jesus. He bounces. Never comes again. I'm like, dang it. Now I'm left alone. Guess what happened? A genuine man of Christ walked up to me. It impacted my life forever. He was one of my groomsmen, one of my best men. He said, who are you? What fraternity are you in? It was a Bible study for fraternity men and women, uh, sorority women. I met Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ has a will for your life. And this text says that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and he suffered. He suffered something that will never have to suffer. He suffered to an extreme point that you'll never have to suffer if you're saved and in Christ. You'll never have to face death. 
You'll never have to be hung upon a cross, although that could happen in this earthly life. Actually, the author of this, First Peter, Peter was hung on a cross upside down. But where you go won't be where Jesus went in the grave for three days. Where you go will be straight with him forever because Jesus suffered. Christ suffered in the flesh. Christ did it. He's the hero. He suffered pain. He suffered pain to a point that we'll never have to. It's an eternal gospel truth that you can be able to cease from sin. You can deny Satan. And you can be able to deny temptations because Christ suffered once and for all for the sins of the world. And it impacts you personally. Jesus does. That 2,000 years ago, what we celebrate in Christmas and people throw around hope, joy, peace, and love in these words is an impactful message for anybody and it can change the course of your life. Today, your whole life can change. Sin makes you a slave to living for your own human passions, your own human will, but Christ has a will that is so much bigger. I'm not what you'd call a Lord of the Rings nerd. But I like Lord of the Rings, okay? I, just, I have to say that because some people come up and start quoting things. I don't know what you're saying, okay? I'm just a fan. I love The Hobbit. <clears throat> some people say, oh, The Hobbit, it was this and that. I don't understand what you're saying. I personally liked it as just an enjoyment of theater. I love the scene where Bilbo Baggins, who stays usually in the, I'll say this wrong, sometimes Shire. Have I said, okay. I was a college pastor down in San Diego and this kid would come, you said that wrong. It's like, dude, I said I'm not a nerd. You know, I'll say it. <laughs> wrong i'm a nerd in other things just not you know in your thing i love this scene bilbo's leaving the shire why because he has a journey he's going to set out on and they say bilbo where are you going you can't you never leave he says i'm going on an adventure (laughs) it's captivating i stood up in the theater yeah Because life can be so boring, so mundane, so bland, so difficult. And so you see Bilbo, this fictional character, where the heck's the Shire or the Sheer? I don't even know what we're saying. But it made me excited. Jesus has a will for you that you can actually experience an amazing will with Jesus himself. I found out there's two types of remote control cars. I don't think you guys know this because it's a recent invention. There's the standard remote control car that's literally remote control. Then there's what little four-year-old Graham got, which is a remote control car. He's excited. He opens it. It was my wife's grandparents. They're probably not going to watch this thing. Okay, this video. Let's hope they, let's hope they do. And this point just doesn't offend them. So they open. <laughs> little Graham opens the remote control. Remote control car. His brother. Wow. His, you pull back. And it makes sirens. And you let it go. And it just goes. Every single time. He's like, maybe I did it wrong. He pulls it back again. That's dumb. I'll watch my brothers. Because he controls it. His brother does with a remote. It's called a remote control car. There's two types. Okay? There's a way to view God that does he just wind it up and let me go. And if I hit something, we can do the bailout. Jesus, will you please help me? Hail Mary in my midst of my pain. Jesus actually is right there with you, helping to control everything. It has to do, though, with our perspective. I love the passage in in the scriptures that say, walk not by sight, but by faith. And walking by faith isn't just, well, throw your hands up like a football example. Hail Mary, just look away and throw it. It's always going to get intercepted. It usually happens that way. Hashtag go Hawks. Let's go. Come on, I left the Chargers struggling to come up to Russ. Jesus is intimate 
And when I say walk by faith, I mean trusting in his promises that will always be true. So God has a will for you. It's an eternal truth that you'll be able to cease from sin, resist Satan, and deny temptations because Christ suffered on your behalf. Isaiah 53, 5. He was pierced for your transgressions. He was crushed for your iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought you peace. And with his wounds, you're healed. He hung on a cross for the sins that you and I committed. Hung there. And it wasn't just the agony of actually facing death this way. Can you imagine? This actually says that all the chastisement of the world was placed on his shoulders. So as he hung there, your and my sins were placed on him. It was a pain that no one could ever understand. But Jesus did not stay dead in the grave. Jesus resurrected three days later. And that's where the power lies. That Jesus isn't dead somewhere. You can't go find his grave. Jesus is alive, resurrected today. More than that, Jesus said, it's actually better to his friends that I leave. I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. He's just going to keep saying the things I'm saying over and over in your heart. He's going to reveal to you the desires of God's will in your heart. Christ enables you now to live inside of God's will. Not pop culture. Not a slave to what desires your boss has for you. Now definitely honor your boss and work under the Lord. Not a slave to your passions and desires. Not a slave to your crummy situations where life can look so abysmal because of this circumstance or this circumstance. The circumstance does not have to change for God to give you his will. And I'm going to take it one step further. His will is what? Joy. Joy. Is my title. Not up there, you guys. That's great. That's amazing. My people would be like, it's not on the screen. <laughs> they wouldn't. They would. They're good people, huh? You guys should come to Stone Church permanently or for a visit. Whenever you want. <laughs> for a visit. For a visit, Matt. He's bigger than me. I'm a little... Go with me here. Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life, the psalmist says. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, pleasures forevermore. So he's going to guide you down a path. How will I know? He gave you the Holy Spirit to speak to you. It's not a cookie cutter thing where I can tell you, well, every single day, fast from your phone from noon to four. Well, it's going to be different for everybody. If I said that to my dad, my dad would be like, which one's the on button again? It wouldn't matter to him. It's just fasting from things and and being led by the Spirit is going to be different for everybody. But you make known to me the path of life. He's still going to guide you, be with you there. And it will involve others. I'll I'll continue to ask Matt things. I just did right now. Matt, we're interested in this other thing and praying for this opportunity. And get counsel. Proverbs says that. Seek wisdom. That's part of God's will. But don't run to anything earthly before you run to something eternal, heavenly, where Christ is seated at the right hand. Yes. Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. If it was just that, it would be the wind-up car. Release it. They made it look really cool. It's got these flashy lights, but it is really lame. I'm with my four-year-old. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. It goes on, plans to prosper, not to harm you, because he's a loving father with his children, like me with my kids, except for I'm a sinner. He has plans for you, but they're actually plans of joy. Galatians 5.16 says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Because Jesus resurrected again and seated on high, he then sent down the Holy Spirit. And we now get to walk by the spirit. 
And as we do, we leave behind. I'm not gratifying. We're, I'm so sorry, Matt. Okay. <laughs> not my church. I want to live by the rules. I'm not gratifying those desires anymore. It's remarkable the way I can look back on my life and see the things as a non-believer that Jesus has changed and as a believer. I was a horrible person to be around in the morning. My wife, 10 years, we just celebrated them. And she is beautiful and amazing, the best thing that's ever happened to me. And she had to live with me for a lot of bad years in the morning. The Holy Spirit sanctified me and changed me. Because his will is constantly joy. So if there's a part of your life you're like, oh, it's just my personality. Circumstances. His will is stronger. He's alive. He's resurrected. The one that created everything is now manifesting himself in your life. If you feel like his voice is distant, if you feel like I've heard it before, but I don't know if I can hear it again, I want to tell you to first and foremost, open up the word of God. Find a translation, even if it's the message translation. Eugene Peterson actually is a phenomenal theologian, and it's very readable. The NIV, the NLT, the ESV, find it on your app. Find a little Bible reading plan. Find a friend to do it with, but that's how God wants to communicate to you. He said it. The word became flesh and the flesh dwelt among you. And then he said things and it was canonized and it was written down so that we can then know it today. If you feel like God's voice is distant, I want to tell you that he wants it to be crystal clear for you to hear. And Jesus has the ability to do that. The power of the Holy Spirit in you can enable you to listen to Jesus. He can be crystal clear. Just like your TV or just like a text message, he can speak to you. But it will be lasting. It will go deeper than just words. Philippians 4, it goes beyond understanding. Matt didn't tell me um, everything he did tell me. He didn't tell me how long I could go. So we're just 30 more minutes, guys. We're transitioning into the middle of my message. This evening, you're not alone. This evening, you can speak to God. And I'll say this much. It's not the way that you speak to anybody else on this earth. So don't expect something similar. But you will get a response. God will guide you. He has a path for you. And it can be as exhilarating as that scene from that Hobbit movie where he's running out. He's so overjoyed to go on this journey. Now, I don't want to ignore suffering and pain. In fact, I walk alongside my mother-in-law right now in a very difficult season. We text all the time. It's very hard for her to continue on. She loves Jesus. She's led by Jesus. This is suffering in the flesh. That's why 1 Peter says that in verse four, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It's like suffering in the flesh because everything in your passions and desires are just going to want to say, no, you don't understand my circumstances. I just need another bottle of wine. I need another this. I need another that. I need to pull away for a second because it's too hard. That's what it is suffering. But at the end of the day, it's denying sin and it's walking in God's will where God has you. So be an encouragement to each other this 2020 to walk in God's will. And it does, it does come with a subtlety. Don't just blow people up. Be encouraging and put some deposits in the bank so you know when you can make a withdrawal. Hey, how many times have you been going to that? The will of God is acceptance and joy. You don't need to perform for God. He's not into that. He's into you feeling acceptance and joy. 
acceptance in his family. I messed up again, God, to spare shame. Acceptance. Because there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is from the enemy and sometimes our own thoughts saying, you suck. You'll always do that. You'll never mature. You'll never grow. Conviction is where Jesus says, I know and I have so much better for you and it's okay. Acceptance and then he leads you into joy. Condemnation is where you're alone and isolated. I can't tell anybody this. No, First John 1 says you can walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. You can confess your sins to one another and Christ's blood will heal you and will unite you with that brother or sister that you're confessing with. Don't let any sin just harbor inside of you. That is controlling you. That is becoming the thing that's telling you the will for your life. Christ's will for you is first and foremost acceptance and then joy. You don't have to run from God. So ask him to speak to you and he will illuminate his voice in your life. Jesus is constantly drawing us to cry out, Abba, Father, the triune God, God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus came down, suffered in the flesh, So that you too can have this mindset amongst yourself that you can suffer in the flesh too. You can deny sin. You can say, I will not give in to you any more sin. And you can walk in the will of God, which Psalm 1611 says is joy. The will of God for your life is acceptance in God's family and joy. That's why I can walk in here and feel accepted. I did feel like I came in, I saw some people, I was like, I needed a flannel. A flannel would have really helped me. Next time at Faith and Victory, I'll do my best to growing a little bit right here. Would be. I kind of got the mat thing going on. Shave it a little bit. I know, I didn't need to fit in that way. I felt accepted because we're all worshiping the same king who saved us and transformed our lives. He has a will for you. I want to close with this song. It comes from a church in Orange County called Influence Church. I don't know much about the church, but I heard the song. Uh, We were singing some of their songs at our church. The lyrics are going to be on the screen, but I want to help you guys understand how practically personal this can be. I cry this out to Jesus, and it helps me follow his will. Because this is real. I told you in the introduction. I said, God, what is controlling me? It's you, God. But what at times can act like and beg me to, to follow it and it actually is controlling me. And for a while it was coffee. And, and the Apostle Paul says, don't be mastered by anything. And I was like, well, I have about three a day. That's a good average right there. It's about three. Some, you know, some coffee is the tall, some it's a small, some it's a this. And Jesus is like, let's cut the crap. Is that word okay? Should I apologize? Okay. I apologize for saying that word. (laughs) Jesus says, let's talk. It's doing more in your life than I want it to do. Let's take at least a day fast. Let's drop to to tea or decaf. I was like, Jesus, okay. And it's been like eight, nine, ten days. I'm about to say, oh, I'm free from coffee. It's like some people are like, hey, it's a lot harder than that what I need to be freed from. The point is, though, whatever Jesus is speaking to you, it's going to be hard as you live it out. My little one was coffee. And it's like, ah, Jesus, I know you're the master and this and that. And it will then help me and let me walk in it. And then I voiced it to my wife. That was a game changer. It's like, no turning back. She's not going to let this one. She's like, right, let's cut this out. Let's burn coffee. She's the real deal. And, uh, 
Jesus is stronger. And when you listen to his voice and his will and he guides you, you may have whatever withdrawal from the thing that you are worshiping, sure. But the presence of God at the end of the day is going to be so much better than the thing you are worshiping. Because we can make up these little gods on earth that mean nothing. Lowercase g gods. This song has really helped me and I want to read it for you guys. It's written by a guy named Michael Ketterer. He says, this is my worship. This is my offering. In every moment, I withhold nothing. I'm learning to trust you, even when I can't see it. And even in suffering, I have to believe it. If you say it's wrong, then I'll say no. If you say release, I'm letting go. If you're in it with me, I'll begin. And when you say to jump, I'm diving in. And if you say be still, then I will wait. If you say to trust, I will obey. You're the only truth, the life, the way. I'm done chasing feelings. Spirit, lead me. I'll invite up uh, Angie. Angela? Angie's correct. Dang it. I even practiced it three times. Angie. I'll invite up Angie. Trusted my own flesh. Thank you for Will you forgive me? Angie. Thank you. This is my offering. This is my surrender to you, God. And I love how he juxtaposes. It's different. He says, okay, if you're going to say then it's wrong, I'll say no. But if you're going to say to go, then I'll jump right in. And so I think sometimes when we hear sin, some of us, we can just retreat to the sideline. It's like, well, I just won't make a foul. I just won't do something wrong. But sin is commission as much as it is omission. Listening to the Spirit is going to have you jump in. It's going to have you say to your coworker someday, man, what have you experienced with church? And just listen. It actually might be jump in. And for someone, you might hear they were hurt by this or that. You might recede and listen and actually wait. With certain things, you need to cease doing those things. And certain things, you need to dive in all the more. Well, how do I know then? It's listening to the voice of God. This author says, I won't chase feelings. Spirit, lead me. So it's a spirit-led life that I'm praying over Faith and Victory Church. To replace despair with the overflowing joy that Jesus gives. No more despair. No more shame. Overflowing joy. I don't care what your circumstances are. That's not what we're talking about. To replace sinning with the ability to resist sin. Habitual sin. Replace it with being freed and not sinning. Spirit-led life. God's will for you is joy. Finally, to replace what felt like distance from God with a crisp, real, loving, active, involved in your life voice of God speaking to you on the daily. I hope and pray that you read the word each day because it will be powerful for you that day. But later in the day, you're going to need something more than the words you read in the morning. You need the voice of God to remind you of those, to remind you of other words. To remind you of the promises of God that you're loved, that you're chosen, that you're desired. That although you might not know what is to come in the future, what the heck was about the past, you can be reassured in the present. So pray with me. God, Spirit, would you lead me? Where you're saying to jump, God, I pray that people in this room would jump. And where you're saying to stop, no more, that's not good for your soul, would people say no? Would they let it go? Would they release it? 
Even in suffering, this author tells us, God, we can believe the promises. Maybe our physical bodies are ailing. Maybe relationships are broken. We don't know how they're going to be mended. Maybe we mourn God with loved ones who aren't doing well. Even in suffering, I'm going to believe it. That God, you have a will. That your will is better than my will. And I'll walk by faith, not by sight. I'll lean not on my understanding, but I'll trust the creator of the universe. So God, I pray over this room right now. For 2020, a will that is God's will. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Amen. Pastor, buddy, stand up with me. Remember right after this, immediately go get your children. Then come up and talk to Pastor Chris and tell him uh, what you got out of his sermon tonight. Tell him something genuine that you really loved. 502 16th Street. Let's pray. We love you, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us by your word tonight. Lord God, I pray as we leave this place, we would not forget the things that you spoke to us, Lord, but we would allow them to change our lives and make us into who you created us to be, Lord. In your holy name, amen.